Blessed are they who follow the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord and following the law of the Lord presupposes that we have free will, presupposes that that we are able to make choices. Our first reading spoke just about that. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. Today's first reading from the book of Sirach, also called Ecclesiasticus, from some of the lit- the wisdom literature. It's one of the books that, that Catholics have in their Bible, which Protestants don't. Actually, all the Christian world has it in their Bible, with the exception of the Protestants. One of the things that Martin Luther believed, he believed that when God created us, he destined some for heaven, some for hell, that we do not have free will. This particular book makes it very clear that we do have free will, which is one of the reasons why Martin Luther didn't so much care for this book, the book of Sirach. So it's not, it's not included in the Protestant Bible. Martin Luther, though he believed that God, when he creates us, he makes some for heaven, some for hell, we don't have a choice, he didn't stress it a whole lot. However, one of the reformers following him, John Calvin, made it a big point. And John Calvin, as all the Reformed churches, the Calvinist churches, they hold to that, that we don't have free will. We're not able to choose to go to heaven or hell. We're just going to end up where God puts us. You can imagine how depressing that would be. I, when I first heard about this, I thought, like, that can't be true. But my own sister-in-law, she grew up Dutch Reformed, and, I, and speaking to her dad, it's very clear that's what they believe. Um, it doesn't make sense in my mind, but that's, that's what they believe. But anyway, this particular book, the book of Sirach, says, no, we have free will. We're able to choose to keep God's commandments, to keep his law, or to reject. We're able to choose to follow him or reject him. The, this, this passage this morning from chapter 15 of Sirach, I, I love it because it makes everything black and white. He says, Before man are life and death, good and evil, whichever he chooses shall be given him. Good, evil, good, evil, life, death. Which one are we going to choose? Every action that we do in our life is going one, going one way or the other. Those that choose the good are going to receive the good. They're going to receive life. Those that, that choose uh, the evil, they're going to receive death, eternal death. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, before Jesus, when it was given to Moses and to all the people, there was great morality in the law that God gave. What I mean by that is, when God created every one of us, he put into our hearts the natural law. Because of our, of our sinfulness and our idolatry making ourselves God, what ended up happening is we turned, away from, we turned away from this natural law within us. So when God gave the Ten Commandments, it was going back to what the natural law is. That we're called to put God first, that we're just creatures, we're not the creator. We're called to put God first, and then second of all, we're called to love our neighbor. We're to treat others with respect, with love, recognizing the dignity that each human being has. So the people of, of Israel, to the best of their ability, you know, many of them would live that out, particularly when it came to the scribes and the Pharisees. They really tried to, 
to follow the Ten Commandments. You know, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and so forth. They really hung on to it. But what ended up happening is they made it all external. So, I can be super ticked off at somebody, I can talk bad about them, but I'm not going to kill them. So when Jesus gives the Gospel reading today, when he gives this great homily in chapter 5, he, he doesn't get rid of the law. He doesn't get rid of the Ten Commandments, but he, he raises the bar. And he says, do, you, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. And then he says, You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, He's claiming to have more authority than Moses and all the prophets before him. It's really, this is, for him to say that, he's acting like he's God. Well, he is God. He says, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. Or whoever says you fool will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Gehenna was the image that the people had for hell. Raka, we don't have a literal translation of it, but it, but it would mean something along the lines of fool, you're stupid, idiot. That's what it would mean. And he says, whoever does that, you know, they're, they're already breaking the commandment. What ends up happening when we gossip about others, when we talk bad about others, when we call others names that are inappropriate, it's coming from someplace in our heart. And usually it's coming from a lack of control over the other person. So what ends up happening is rather than, than helping them, we try to degrade them. And we call them that kind of stuff. You know, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Not all anger is bad. I, I, want, to, I want you to recognize that. We need to be angry at some when something bad is taking place. But it has to be a just anger. We can't it can't become irrational. We know Jesus, you know, when he cast out the people from the temple area when they were selling goods, he was he was angry. You know, there's a just anger. But what Jesus is referring to here is where we become so angry we become irrational and we degrade the other person. That's the beginning of murder. That's the beginning of taking the life of another human being. Then, going to another one of the commandments, he says, You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's not what's out here, but it's what's going on within the heart, too. How are we treating others in our hearts? What are we saying about others in our hearts? How are we acting around others in our hearts? And then later he speaks about divorce. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's a high bar. Moses allowed divorce because what ended up happening is husbands would kill their wives so that they could remarry. And at some point Moses said, 
I'm going to allow a, a lesser evil rather than the greater evil. So he allowed divorce. That's not particularly in this passage, but Jesus says it in another passage. But here Jesus makes it very clear. You know, whoever divorces his wife and causes her to commit adultery, or causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. But he says in there, unless the marriage is unlawful. That's a key phrase. Unless the marriage is unlawful. It's why the church has what's called annulments. Where the church will look at the marriage from the very beginning. And if, if there was something lacking there, something big that was lacking, the church then says that from the beginning, there was never a valid marriage there. One example being, you know, so say you have a, so whenever somebody's baptized Catholic, we make a vow to, to follow the law of the church, the commandments of the church. It's kind of like when we become a citizen, you know, just by virtue of becoming a U.S. citizen, we're obligated to follow the laws of the land. So when we're baptized, we're obligated to follow the, the law of the church. And then every time we profess our faith on Sunday, we reiterate that to follow the law of the church. You know, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We believe in the church and how Jesus established her. But the point that I'm making is, so you have a baptized man or woman, and that baptized man or woman gets married outside the church. They go to the courthouse. Or even they go to a Lutheran church or a Baptist church or a Methodist church without permission from the Catholic bishop. It's, it's not a valid wedding. It's not a valid marriage. It's unlawful. That's something I think that our culture has forgotten. You know, today, especially, you know, outside, outdoor weddings have become very common. But even, I realize, we're living here in, in Kildare. There's, there's many here who have mixed marriages, meaning one party's Catholic, one party's not. And the church in our diocese allows that. But when one starts to date a non-Catholic, one must remember, in order for that marriage to be valid, it must be in the Catholic Church. Or permission has been granted to the Lutheran pastor or whoever if, if um, there's good reason for that. Another example of an unlawful marriage. At the time of the wedding, the man or the woman is unfaithful. They're still going out with another man or another woman. They say their vows. Well, they're not fully giving themselves to the marriage. This is a rather strange example. But it's, but it's true as well. That both the man and the woman have to be fully free. Sometimes if there was a pregnancy ahead of time, the, the man and the woman aren't fully free. The whole family on both sides are saying, you guys need to get married because there's a child involved. Those could be some reasons for, for an invalid marriage. But even in a situation like that, of course the man and the woman can fully freely give themselves. But that's not always the case. I could talk a lot more about unlawful marriages, but I think you get the point that when a marriage is lawful, one gets a divorce and marries another, then that's adultery. And then the last part. You know, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. 
anything more is from the evil one. Just be honest in your heart. Don't say one thing and in your heart mean another thing. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Honesty. Don't have to swear, you know. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Not by heaven, for it is God's throne, now or by the earth, etc., etc. Just let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. No point in going further than that. Let's pray for the grace at this Mass that we may have hearts that really live out the good things going on within the heart. And that we may bring anything that's not good in our heart to Jesus, that he might remove it, of course, through the great sacrament of confession. But also at every Mass, we give our hearts to Jesus. The creed which we're about to profess here shortly, I believe in the Latin it means, I give my heart to one God, the Father Almighty. So as we profess our faith, let's, let's do just that.